whether we realize it or not, control is something we all struggle with on some level or another. It's one of our most basic needs that we seek to satisfy day in and day out. And few times will ever present itself as a natural experiment as what's going on now globally with the COVID-19 virus. And I think it's a perfect time to try to peel back some layers of this onion of control so we can like understand our own processes better. And in doing so, we can be more compassionate and empathetic to others in this uh, scary time for many. Welcome to the Paradigm Lift Podcast. I'm your host, Elliot E, and this is episode 34, The Illusion of Control, or Is It? There are many people that look at the world of science with a raised eyebrow sometimes, and it's understandable because science evolves and changes over time. There was a time where frontal lobotomies were considered the greatest thing in uh, the history of science, the person who invented it, actually won a Nobel Prize. And then as years passed, people realized how damaging a frontal lobotomy is. Experimentation is something that's also looked at with a raised eyebrow. Uh, You'll have just as many people support experiments as you will people invalidate the results. Because many experiments occur in a lab and Scientists are people, so they have their own biases as well to try and sometimes subconsciously steer the results to a certain way. But every once in a while, a natural experiment presents itself. And a natural experiment is something that goes on in the world that is not subject to control parameters. And what we have going on globally right now is a perfect example of that. Half the countries on the planet, or maybe a little more at this point, have uh, the COVID-19 virus on their shores. And with the exception of countries that are under authoritarian rule or have the government strongly intercede in the behavior The behavior is pretty much the same across the board. People have resorted to fear and panic, and that tends to make us become the lowest common denominator version of ourselves. So whether it's cultural, socioeconomic, it almost doesn't matter. I mean, once fear and panic set in, certain behaviors just take over, and it's fascinating to see how same how the same behavior is manifesting itself, particularly in uh, the Western societies. So, first things first, if you've been to a supermarket within the last week in the United States, you've noticed that the aisles look like a Category 6 hurricane has swept through them and just taken everything off the shelves and thrown stuff on the floor. Uh, It just looks like utter pandemonium and chaos. Yesterday, after my morning run, I went to my local Trader Joe's right over there on uh, Route 4 in Paramus, New Jersey. I've been shopping at this Trader Joe's off and on for like 11 years. And I went to go get my signature favorite bag of quinoa tortilla chips, $2.69 a bag. 
And when I pulled up to the parking lot, there were close to 100 people online outside the store just waiting to get in. So needless to say, I just drove off. And in all my years of uh, shopping at this particular Trader Joe's, and I go there on the same day, same time, because I'm a creature of routine and habit, just like we all are, I have never seen anything even close to that. And it's just another example of panic shopping. So what causes this panic? The, the, the primary thing that causes this panic is the unknown. There are too many things we don't know. And anybody who says they know certain things definitively are people you really probably shouldn't listen to. So, you know, anytime there's anytime you want any kind of relevant information in any situation or scenario, the best thing to do is to defer to the experts, which is what I do. Um, well, I don't know anything about viruses or, or epidemics other than what I've read in history books. So in times like this, I refer to the experts, the people at the WHO, the CDC, people like Michael Osterholm, and others. But I do know a thing or two about behavior, because it's what I research, and I study the experts, I've read the literature, and we catch emotions, no pun intended, the same way we catch a cold. So if we see one person panic shopping, we almost can't help but do the same thing for instinctive reasons of self-preservation. Because if we see some lunatic buying a hundred rolls of toilet paper, we'll feel like we need to get some before everybody else buys it all up. And then that creates you know, a chain. So that's an instance of completely getting hijacked by our emotions, particularly fear and panic. And that comes from us wanting to have a sense of control. We need to feel like we're in control of our safety, we're in control of the environment for ourselves, for our families. But the fascinating thing about control is this. We all have this tendency to want to exert control over situations where we really don't have any. And in the few areas where we do have control, we don't. So I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about. Everyone is panic shopping right now, preparing for the storm. And research does show us that more often than not, what we make out to be a bad scenario in our minds usually tends never to be as bad as we make it out to be in our minds. Now, that's not, I'm not downplaying uh, anything about what's going on right now because I have no idea. But I do know that panic gets no one anywhere. So 80% of the country is clinically overweight and 40% of the country is clinically obese. These are things that are direct, directly attributed to lifestyle choices. Choices people make in what they eat, how much they eat, the exercise they do, the sleep they get. Many of these people will tell you 
that it's not on them. That this is in their DNA, this is their genetics, their parents are like this, they don't get support. There is a reason that has little to do with their own doing as to why they're struggling with getting healthier. And, and there are other reasons at play that validate these positions and perspectives, but getting healthier is something that an individual has control over. But many don't do it. And I'll get to why in a second. Now, right now, people are panic shopping because there needs to be this illusion of control, of being prepared for an end-of-the-world scenario that will not come. But they believe they have this control. And the difference is the presence of emotion, in this case, fear, that manifests itself in the, in, in the form of panic. Now, it's okay to be afraid. Um, there are things I'm afraid of with respect to this COVID-19 virus. Not for myself, but as many of you know, I have an elderly mom who has underlying health issues. I have an, an older uncle who's close to 80 who's uh, taking immunodepressant medication because he had a liver transplant years back. So, you know, I'm concerned about the uh, older people in my family that have underlying health issues. I'm concerned about, you know, all the elderly people that are vulnerable or seem to be more vulnerable to this than, uh, than people like myself and such. I mean, I, I'm, maybe it's ignorant of the mindset right now that if I get it, I'll just get sick and fight it off and then I'll be fine afterwards. But, you know, so I have fears and concerns just like everyone else, but I'm not panicking. And just because you're not panicking doesn't mean you don't have fear. You can have a, a, an emotion and not have it manifest itself in a way that doesn't necessarily serve you. you know. And panic shopping doesn't serve anybody anything. It doesn't change anything about what's going to happen. If anything, it makes things worse. What people don't see are the, the truckers who then have to go to the East Coast distributor of Procter & Gamble. And I saw a photo yesterday online that showed truckers going back to, because Procter & Gamble distributes all of the toilet paper for the entire East Coast. It comes from one area. And all of the truckers that service the East Coast toilet paper deliveries had to go back to restock the shelves that were basically murdered up and down the East Coast and everywhere because people needed six months' worth of toilet paper in their homes. Uh, many forget probably no less than 500 years ago during the Game of Thrones, we were all wiping ourselves barehanded. But if you're home and you're in the shower, I mean, there are worse things to have going on than running, you know, out of toilet paper if you're home and you have access to your shower. Anyway... The line of truckers going back to Procter & Gamble was close to like 10 miles long. And this takes them away from their other delivery routes to deliver other things like medical supplies to nursing homes and hospitals and, you know, other things that need to be delivered in the stores. So it's a ripple effect because everything is, you know, put on shelves to supply the area demographic that it normally serves. There is enough for everybody to go around 
if people are sensible and they don't panic. What's going to happen if this continues is that the local law enforcement agencies or the National Guard will be mobilized to restrict purchases and make it so that people can only buy so many things of a certain item that they need. You know, because it's need versus want, you know. Panic makes you forget what you need and just makes you focus on what you want. And then it turns, you know, what you want into what you believe you need. You don't, you don't need six months worth of pasta. You don't need, you know, three months worth of rice. You don't, you know. I went to the Acme market and there was a woman who was probably in her mid to late 70s. And she needed a roll of toilet paper and she didn't have any. And I struck up a conversation with her and, you know, she said she doesn't know what she's going to do. So I went to my car and got her a box of Kleenex tissues that I happened to have in my car and gave it to her. And you would have thought I gave her a two-pound bar of gold. You know, so that, that's the kind of things that panic shopping causes. You know, people who need to get essential supplies can't get them because, you know, you're hoarding, you know, something you don't need. Anyway, getting back to control, um, panic, the emotion of fear is not present when people want to lose weight. Unless the doctor says, you know, your triglyceride levels are this or you're going to die unless you lose weight. And then you'll see somebody drop 60 pounds within a month and a half and they will be all Richard Simmons and doing anything and everything to lose the weight that they need to lose until the threat is removed. And then once there's no longer that fear or panic, then they go back to their normal habits that got them to the point where they were, they were unhealthy to begin with. So emotion is necessary to kickstart any kind of physical action. But we need to take the proper emotion and apply it in its proper context. So we have incredible control as individuals over one thing, and that is our response. We have all the control in the world to manufacture a desired response to anything. We have control over how we think. We, control, we have control over how we feel. And we have control over what our behavior is going to be in any given situation. Right now, with what's going on in the world with this COVID-19 virus, you have control over how you're going to think about it, over how you're going to feel about it, and what you're going to do behind it. What you don't have control over, quite honestly, is whether or not you're going to get the virus. And that is a hard truth that some people will just not accept. You can minimize your chances of possibly contracting it, but everything in life works on a probability scale. There are no guarantees, ladies and gentlemen. So what you have to realize and understand is that the illusion of control is very real when applied to anything and everything that is external. You have no control over anything that goes on outside of your skull. 
You only have control over what's going on internally. I'll let that sink in for some, for a few minutes. So, when you can understand this concept of control and management, you will experience a level of liberation you didn't experience before. You won't experience panic. You'll have fear, but it'll just be there, just like, you know, the dust bunnies in the corner that you didn't get to. They're just, you know, they're there and they're not going nowhere, but they're not bothering anybody. It's important to practice this and to employ this mindset, not just today, but in every aspect of your life, because we'll get past this crisis with the virus. If you study human history, if you study the resilience, if you study the patterns, we're going to get through this. That I can guarantee. What's going to happen in the interim is up in, these, up in the air. No one knows. It may very well correct itself. It can go ahead and kill 10 million people globally. We don't know. But there's no reason to panic behind what we have limited control over. I'll give you another example about um, this illusion of control. A coworker of mine is scared of flying. He hasn't been on a plane in 22, 23 years. He drives 85 miles a day to and from work. Now, even when I present him with the statistics of how irrational his fear of flying is compared to driving. He has no problem driving 85 miles a day to and from work, even though close to 60,000 people are killed every year in car fatalities. And you increase the statistics, the statistical probability of unfortunately something bad happening to you in a car the more you drive. That's just common math but in his mind just getting on a plane one time to go anywhere is too much of a risk for him to take so he exercises control by having this phobia of flying whereas he has no problem putting himself at risk when he drives so oh most people who drive think they have more control over what's going on uh, in the car and on the road, but driving is the perfect example of what I just spoke about. You have control over what you do, but you can be doing everything right and somebody still come and T-bone you or rear-end you or hit you head-on or someone could be driving while texting or drinking and driving and, and, and still wipe you out. So you have no control over that element of driving when you're in a car. It's the perfect metaphor for life and, and everything that we experience, particularly now in these times. You know, so you could be the person who is the textbook driver, who always signals, who looks before turning, who comes to the complete stop, who drives with both hands on the wheel, who always wears the seatbelt. And you can still have something happen to you on the road that was completely not your doing. 
randomness exists in our lives and in the universe. There is order. Uh, I don't know which one weighs more or not, but there is randomness. And do yourself a favor and start to take a few steps back and ask yourself, am I trying to exercise control over things that I really don't have control over? And then reevaluate and see if you can apply more control over the things you have control over. So if you want to be a better person, you have control over that. If you want to be a person with more empathy, you have control over that. If you want to be someone with more compassion, you have control over that. If you want to have more love and experience more love in your life, you have control over that. If you want to be a better husband, a better wife, a better son, a better friend. You have control over those things. You don't have or you have very limited control over other random things that are external in nature. And when you can incorporate this mindset into your daily into your daily plan and how you look at and experience things in life, you will experience a freedom from a lot of survival mechanisms and defensive mechanisms that you probably didn't even know were already in place. It's important, and now is a great time, probably a better time than many of us have ever had to work on exercising this mindset and developing it. Because if things do get worse, which may or may not happen, panic is not going to serve you or anybody else in your family well. You want to be able to be in a calm state, in a problem-solving state. When you're in a defensive mindset, you're cut off from anything that's problem-solving because you go back to just the primal instincts of survival. Just grabbing something and banging someone on the head. That doesn't solve anything. You need to be in a problem-solving mode when things get bad because you have to figure things out. And this doesn't come when you're defensive. When you're defensive, you cut yourself off from all the information that's out there. And in order to be problem-solving, you have to be able to access all the information that's out there. And that only happens when you're in a calm state. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Paradigm Lift Podcast. I am your host, Elliot E. Take care.